0: Thank you, Alex. Let's uh, keep that open. Let me pray, and then we'll have a look at that together. Father, we do thank you for um, this word and help us to be shaped by it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, back uh, many years ago when I was at university, uh, I took a philosophy subject, and um, I was sitting there in the philosophy subject, the first lecture, second lecture. They're talking about goodness knows what, and uh, then one brave young student down the front of the class puts his hand up, and he wants to ask a, an important question of the lecturer. One of the most important questions that gets asked in every subject at university. Cast your minds back, you might remember that question. What would it be? Yep. Will this be, will this be in the exam? Correct, Maz. That is the question that was asked. It wasn't quite that question. It was more, will there be an exam for this subject? Because someone had asked him earlier, he'd been a bit evasive, the lecturer. And he said, well, no. We, as, as you've seen in the course notes, there's a paper to hand in. If you hand in your essay, that's, that's the key. And uh, how will those be marked, said this young student? Oh, well, uh, they'll be marked according to the discussion that is in the paper. Yes, but uh, what's your criteria for that? Well, we decide as we go. So, is it hard to fail this subject, sir, said this young student from the front. Well, we don't like to talk about passing and failing, per se. So, has anyone ever failed this subject? Well, not in recent history, no, as long as they put their paper in. At which point, this young man packed his gear into his bag, got up and walked out, followed by a dozen other students. The lecture thinned considerably. and From that moment on, we had half the number of people in there we had had previously. Now, I bravely stayed and went to the end of the, the um, semester and I put my essay in dutifully and I did pass the philosophy subject. I didn't ask how that young man went. He wasn't in my tutorial. I never saw him again in my life. But in the end, the lecturer gave that assurance to the students, if you put your exam in, you, your essay uh, in, you will pass. In a sense... What the man heard was, or the young man, what he heard was, there's no point in being at this lecture. There's no point in coming to the class, all right? Now, I'm telling you that story because that's what some Christians hear when they think about church. They view church a bit like that philosophy lecture, all right? Um, They think to themselves, well, as a Christian, we know that it's Jesus' life and death and resurrection that gets us into heaven. It's not coming to church that counts, all right? So our paper's been put in for us, so to speak. So then what's the point in coming to church? We know we're perfect before God with an assured place in heaven because of Jesus. So what's the point in turning up each week? That's what people think. Some don't think that way. Some think you come to get, to get something. Um, There's some research done um, in recent years. And you can see in the middle there, 43% of people said they came to church to be closer to God. All right? They think coming along brings you closer to God. We know that's not true. We know you don't come to church to be closer to God. all right? We know that our standing before God doesn't improve by coming. So if that's the case, why would we turn up? So we feel like we have something to write in our paper at the end of the day? Um, now we just had a reading from the Bible there, Hebrews 10. Hopefully you got that open still. At the end of that reading, verse 39, it said this, We are not, those, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. He's talking there, he's saying to the readers, we are those who push on to the end, all right? And if we are those who push on to the end, what part does church actually play in that? Does it help us in some way push on to the end? Now, we're going to look at Hebrews 10, some of the verses there, we're going to consider that question. Um, Those verses that we had read are part of a a bigger argument, all right? Um, There's a continuous presentation we could follow. We're not going to do that. You don't want to be here till 4 p.m., I would love it. It's my favourite book of the Bible, with all the rest of them, but I do love Hebrews, um, and I could wax lyrical, but I won't. Uh, or maybe I will. Um, but if we're going to preserve, persevere to the end, if, we're going to be preserved, if our souls are going to be preserved, what does it mean? Look back to verse 19, and he kind of sums up the few chapters prior in these few verses here. He says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh... And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Okay, so that sort of sums up a few chapters beforehand in Hebrews. He's saying two things. Firstly, we have confidence in God because of Jesus' blood. He pays our price. Okay, it doesn't just remind us of sin, but it actually pays the price for us. And secondly, the second point is, and he is our high priest. He is speaking to God on our behalf. He's saying, these ones are with me. That gives you confidence. The price is paid and Jesus himself speaks on, he, he's your representative, he pleads your case in heaven, and your case is based on what he's done, which means, verse 22, we can draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, all right? So we can actually hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus. Now, just because he holds it for us and it's based on what he's done, doesn't mean that we don't, therefore don't do anything, all right? What are we actually doing? How do we shape our time and our priorities to reflect the fact that Jesus has paid the price for us? What are we actually doing in this life now to be those whose place is secured? It's a strange question, isn't it? Because it's not not to earn us something. It's in response to what's been earned. Maybe we've got to change our thinking and actually remind ourselves. Actually, yeah, it is earned for me. I don't want to be one of those people who thinks coming to church or doing Christian things gets me merit in God's sight. That's not what it's for. It's in response to what he's done. And so maybe we have to sort of put off or put our priorities in order. And is life about a happy family, the perfect house, the right status, the best education, the correct leisure? Are we we living this life now with the goal of a healthy retirement? Or is our hope in Christ? And we've got to refresh our minds, cleanse our thinking, and not fall back into old ways. Does anyone know who this guy is? It's a, it's a big ask. No? He's old. yeah he is, you're right. Uh, he's from 18, oh, the 1800s. His name is, um Ignace and in the 1840s, He was working in a maternity ward in Vienna. I think he's a doctor. And and what he observed in the maternity ward was that mothers who came in to have their baby in the maternity ward were dying at a rate five times greater than mothers who were having their babies at home. And he thought to himself, this is very strange. They're coming to hospital and they're more likely to die in childbirth. And so he started just making some observations. He, He started walking around saying, What's actually the, I want to find out why this is happening. This doesn't make sense to me. It should be the opposite. And so he's watching and observing. And what he found out was that when someone was in a different section of the hospital, say, accident and emergency, they would transition from accident and emergency into maternity, missing one crucial step that's taken for granted these days. The washing of the hands. That's right, Brent. And so they would take a disease from their previous, whether it was an operation or just a, um, a sickness they've been treating, and they would bring that disease to the mother in childbirth. And they were actually, um, the death rate was 18% for um, ladies in the hospital. So he brought in a radical procedure. He suggested that every time you came onto the ward and in between every patient, you would wash your hands, all right? It seems gold standard to us, doesn't it? This is 1848, um, and the death rate goes from 18% to 1%. A marked difference, all right? Um... Now, 12 years later, he retires. And what do they do in the hospital when he's retired? Stop washing them. You know that Samuel Weiss, He had some weird ideas, didn't he? Imagine washing your hands. That's ridiculous. Let's cut someone open and then go and deliver a baby. Let's do that again. All right. Should be no problem. And the death rate went back up to where it was before. Now, I'm telling the story because uh, I want to suggest that we need to be those who keep reminding ourselves of the difference that following jesus makes in our lives today all right we follow him and that is to say we've been washed from our old way into a new way of living we've gone from death to life in similar metaphor don't work it too hard um and one of the ways that god has designed for us to live in life is church living with each other helping each other anyone have a, a wood fire in the house at the moment no. Um, I had a friend who um, a little while ago had a, a fire in the backyard. They've got a fire pit at home and, and they, um, they, they got a fire going. They had a big, big fire. They had some good wood on there, some good hardwood. And it burned right down and um, they took the, the ash and they put it in their, in their dustbin. And then a few days later, the dustbin caught on fire. So they had the fire, they burned it down. day later, put it in the bin. Two days later, the bin is on fire. Unbelievable! And why does this happen? Well, because, as we know, coals remain hot when they're grouped together, okay? And this poor friend of mine didn't realize that what they were doing was actually putting the coals in. The coals didn't lose their heat. In fact, held together in the safety of the, the bin, they heated each other up and caught on fire. Now, it's a bit like that for us as Christians, right? Um, we need to be, we're like the coals. To, to reduce the heat on the coal, you separate them. You scatter them, and they... Cool down, I know what some of you are thinking, and yes, that's true. Um, If you don't understand, ask me afterwards. Uh, But if you scatter the coals, they can cool down significantly, okay? That's what can happen to them. Um, But if you keep them together, they keep each other hot. That's being a Christian, that's going to church. Hot coals together, keeping each other warm for God's glory. Um, When we talk about the word church, of course, just for clarification's sake, um, I looked it up in the dictionary just to see what the common thinking was, and it said in the dictionary, a church is a building where Christians go. Obviously, we know that's not true. The church is the people. The word means gathering or assembly. Um, And so if we're not assembling like a coal, we'll lose our heat pretty quickly, our faith, so to speak. So partly we come to church to keep ourselves hot, yes, but to keep each other going as well. And I wonder, what do you view church as? What was your perception um, five years ago, one year ago, this morning? And what will it be in five years' time? What do you come to church for? Do you come to sing a good song? It's not the reason you come to church. I'm not saying we don't have good songs. We do have good songs. Um, do you come to uh, have a good coffee afterwards? It's not the point, is it? We, we do have good coffee afterwards. Don't get me wrong. Um, do you come to have a nice experience? It's not the point, but I hope you do have a nice experience while you're here. Do you come to hear a good sermon? Well, that is the point, because you always go No, you don't. <laughs> You may not even get one, that's fine. That's not the point of coming either, all right? Um, What's the point of being here? You come for each other, okay? Um, Maybe the the, the easy mentality to fall into is to treat it like a club that we come to. Um, And and so when things get difficult, it becomes a nuisance to us. Um, When it's too cold in the morning, I think it was like five degrees this morning, and the eight o'clockers got out of bed and came to church. Good on them. I didn't feel like it, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) But of course, we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been in that scenario. We don't feel like it, it's cold. Or, or it's raining, or like you've, you've got a little cold, and there's always reasons that we can think of to go. You know what? I just I just couldn't be bothered today. But we've got to remember, maybe we couldn't be bothered, but we're like a coal, and there's other coals who are waiting for us to keep them warm too. Um, we've got to char grill each other in our faith. I'm stretching this example way too far, and I now drop it. Um, <laughs> but we write ourselves, and why? Look in verse 25. Um, it says there, i oh, sorry, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day of Jesus' return is coming. Okay, So we get together, we remind ourselves this is okay because we look outside uh, these walls, so to speak, or at people who don't really care and there's, there's plenty of negative things people say about churches. Rightly or wrongly, they just say them. And we deal with that all the time. If that's what we listen to, we're going to get pretty depressed. We don't want to be that way. We want to keep reminding ourselves, hang on, it's all right. We know we're imperfect, but we have a perfect saviour. And in him, we stake our hope. And so it's it's important for us. Um, Now, we've got the sign on the screen here, the 100 Days to a Healthier Church. We've been running this program. We've been doing these readings. Anyone Has anyone read all 100 Days? Um, or I think you should be on day 93, who's up to day 93, let's go show of hands here, who's on day 87, or 86, sorry, day 79, who's day 20 or less, who's stalled at the start, yeah, a couple in the back there, I see you, um, it's a lot of reading by next Sunday, ladies, but I reckon you can do it, um, part, part of, if you've been doing the readings, and if you haven't, that's fine, it's, it's not about, well, it actually is about reading them, but that's fine, um, <laughs> If you've been in the rings, you would have picked up on what, a lot of what the purpose of church is. Why do we come along? What's the part I play? What do I do? All that sort of stuff. And we've had a group of people meeting as part of that um, to think intentionally about, well, how do we do what we do as a church? Okay? Um, and and we've, we've looked at the, sort of the ministries that we've done. We've done something of a, a health check. What's the purpose of church? What do we do this for? What do we want to do more of, do less of? And what that group discovered was, you know what? In general... We feel like we're on the right path. Okay, we're, we're doing the right kind of things. We're positive about the future. We want to go to the next step as a church. But one of the key takeaways was to get there, we feel like we need to be more intentional about what we do and how we do it. All right. So we talked about all the different ministries that we had. And here they are on the screen here. A lot of acronyms there. And if you don't know what they mean, that's fine. No problem at all. Um, but all these things are, are just stuff we do at church. The question was, how do they fit together? All right? They're not just standalone things. They should be part of a process, was kind of the, the way that we talked it through. And how do we go from one thing to the next? And we had this idea of um, keep it together, um, was the, the idea. And we thought we might try and actually think through intentionally, how do we how does actually everything actually work together? Um, and so we started to about why and what do we do and, and what's, the, what's the purpose to it all? Plenty of information there that you can look at another time. But really, in the end... Uh, the idea was that we want to really focus on putting everything into a process that works, um, not because processes are good things, but just then we're being a bit more intentional about how we do it. We come up with this, which some of you will love, and some of you will be highly triggered by it. Um, now, some people will love it because you like boxes and things like that, and others are like, I want a more beautiful picture. There's good news for you. There is a more beautiful picture coming. But for now, it's, suffice it, this is kind of the process. So the idea is, um, how does it work for someone to come along... Uh, or someone that we don't even know, or who and has never heard about the church, to actually become someone who is going out as a missionary somewhere. How would that? What if that happened? What would it look like? And so we developed this what's called a process. Essentially, the process follows this line here. All right, with this little injunction here on the side, and the stuff below the line is uh, explanatory to the stuff above it. All right, and I'm going to just make it tangible for you by getting a volunteer to come forward. I might need. Um, I might need some people to be part of the process for me. Who wants to do that? Come on, Ben. You know, I already volunteered you, so you come here. And Alex, you're here. So this, Ben and Alex are playing the part of the process. So you can see there's a line through it. They all know why there might be a line there over there, Ben? Oh, yeah, right. We did talk about this. We practiced. We rehearsed quite a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we didn't at all. All right. Actually, go down on a step, because since we didn't rehearse, I'm having some ideas. Yeah, that one. Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, right. Do you want to know what the red line might be for on this graph, by the way, just as a... Have a guess. The difference between being a Christian and not yet being a Christian. So the person on that side of the line is someone who hasn't actually come to know Jesus yet, and when they know Jesus, this side of the line. It's not a strict divider, but as you can kind of see, we'll, we'll do this live. How about Brent, you be our person. And you go. or um, well, first of all, the person has to. We have to. They have to become aware of the church. So we're going to take someone through this journey here, and that person's Brent. First thing you got to do is become aware of the church. So one day, Brent moves in next door to Ben. All right? Yeah, that's where you walk. And and he meets him, and and he's talking about the weekend, and Ben says that he's going to church on Sunday. Oh, for the first time, Brent's heard about the church. Um, no, we're not, there's no there's not speaking roles, mate. I'll just I'll tell the story. You just. You saw his acting skills, and um, Maybe you have we yeah we should have well we didn't have time uh, then um, so and then Ben invites Brent to come to um, what were you inviting him to church. church on Sunday so he comes to church so he's made first contact there and now he's had an initial church visit but then Brent decides you know what this is fun and all but they talked a lot about Jesus they sung about him I'm a bloke I don't like singing and I don't like Jesus either and so. Brent stopped coming. But then, he didn't move house. He stayed, he stayed there. But then, um, Ben kept talking to, to Brent and said, you know what, come back again and, and hear more. And Brent's like, oh, I don't know, man. Did you talk about this Jesus guy? And so Ben says, well, we, we've got a course. It's called the Life Course and you can find out more about him. So Brent comes to Life Course. He finds out more and guess what happens? He gets converted. And he comes back to church with Ben and then he crosses the floor. And um, Ben's welcomed him in. And he's and then he meets Alex, or he's met him before because he's been to church. But Alex is trying to help Ben to fit in. He's like, oh, hey, look, we've got this course you can do, this connection course. Um, that might help you learn more about what we do as a particular church and how you can be involved. And as time goes on, Brent joins into a group or a prayer trip or all all of those things. And, and then he, he says, you know what I can do? I can play guitar and sing. <laughs> okay, says Brent. Says Alex. Why don't we get you in the band? So Brent gets a guitar and comes up in the band. He gets a guitar. Yeah, that's 100% what I'm going to do. I said it was a non-speaking role. I said it was a non-singing role. And then Brent starts singing Kumbaya, my Lord. No, he doesn't do that. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, that'll do. All right. Give these guys a round of applause, all right. And then and then Brent goes to Bible I, I didn't... It's an accelerated story because I don't want to be here all day. Right? But you get the point, right? So the point is, it's not it's not about a process for the sake of a process. Okay, it's kind of an idea, and um, we've got some more stuff here. But it's an idea of actually just someone coming along, and we just have a, an idea. In reality, things never progress in a straight line, do they? They go from here to there and all over the place. That's fine, no drama at all. But the idea is, if we have a if we have an actual plan ahead of how things work, then we can be a bit more intentional about how we do things and figure out where we're at as well. Processes are not the key, though. People are the key, and that's what we're on about. But we have a process because, as the old saying goes, if you aim for nothing, oh, okay. How does it go? <laughs> that, oh, you're about to learn something. This is a, a great... Who said that? If you aim for nothing, you're sure to hit it. That's exactly right. You can't miss. If you're aiming for nothing, you're going to make it. And the problem is with that, it's not real good in the workplace or... A church or whatever. okay. And for God's kingdom, I reckon we should have higher standards, shouldn't we? And so people are all important, but our aim is to reach people and help them understand more about who Jesus is. Now, again, some of you love this, like me, because there's boxes on a screen and it makes sense that it's a flow. Others are like, could you make it more understandable? Yes, we can. Um, you can see we decided that we'd do three main things in the start. And one of those over here is get a better picture. One of them is to get the uh, integration going, and one of them is to develop the ministry teams a bit more. You'll be hearing a bit more about that over the coming weeks. That's kind of what we're planning to do. But the point of it is not so that we have a nice process or a better picture. The process, uh, the point of it is in verse 35, so that because our confidence has a great reward. Okay, in verse 35, our confidence has a great reward. Therefore, uh, I'm sorry, verse 36, for you have need of endurance. So when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Alright, the point is we're heading somewhere. We're heading towards an eternity with our Lord and Saviour. Alright, a wonderful eternity. And so now we do the will of God between now and then, and we might as well be intentional about that. We may as well let Jesus shape our lives. Why? Verse 39. Because we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are those who have faith and preserve their souls. We're not those who give up on, on faith. We're those who are held to the end by Jesus, and so, if we've accepted that promise of His, let it change and shape our lives. So now's the point where we remind ourselves of the philosophy lecture, and that you don't even need to put a paper in for this one. Your paper's been submitted, all right. Your you, you grade a hundred percent in Jesus. What are you going to turn up to lectures for anymore? Well, hopefully, so that you can encourage each other, as we've seen here in this passage today. So we can help each other reach out. To others so we can share this good news which is such good news and we can be those who persevere who have faith and whose souls are preserved by jesus let me pray father we thank you for this wonderful hope that we have in jesus let it shape our lives and change us thank you for the work of the people in The 100 Days core team who have put some hard thought into what we do, how we do it, and how we might be slightly more intentional. Help us not to do things for the sake of having a good process, but rather for people. People who need to hear the good news and people who are persevering. And Father, we pray that we might be those who encourage each other all the more, especially as the day draws near. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.